0: Welcome to the custom apparel startups podcast your best source for information news
1: tips and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your
2: custom apparel decorating business so get ready to soak up some knowledge now here are your hosts mark and mark Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Custom Apparel Startups podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from ColdEssie. And this is Mark Vila
1: with Coleman & Company. And, Mark, I'm stoked today because we've got another guest with us. Yeah. Okay, and it's a a surprise guest. Mark's actually never met this guy before, so I'm going to give you some clues. Um, He was uh, a former... Uh, president of a famous country?
2: Yes. Yeah, not one of
1: those little countries that you've never heard of. No, a famous one. Yes, it rhymes. Hey. It
2: rhymes with FANADA.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, he's won all types of awards all over the world for all types of things having to do with
2: marketing, or, or more importantly, yeah, he could be a really highly qualified um, trademark, patent, and copyright attorney that can help our listeners understand. The best ways oh. to use trademarks and copyrights and images.
1: Did you read the show notes before? No, I did not. Oh, because that's actually who it is. Okay, okay. then. Well, so, so be it. Seth uh, Gardenwit, Seth Garden Swartz is here, and um, we've had the opportunity to talk and speak with uh, Seth for a little while now, and you guys are going to love to hear everything he has to say. So I'm going to give you a couple seconds on on why you're going to love to uh, listen to this episode and why it's important too, but. He's a trademark attorney, uh, but he's not really boring or bland like uh, basically every attorney is. No offense to any attorneys. No, no, me. but
2: he but he probably dresses well like an attorney. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> I do not. Um,
1: he writes well. <laughs> he writes notes. Really good notes. He uh, well, but he has a specialty in marketing and branding, and not just doing trademark for marketing and branding but actually understanding the concepts and having experience in marketing and branding. So you guys are going to get a bunch of great education about copyrights and trademarks and also probably a bunch of great notes about marketing and branding too.
2: Yeah, so so, so actually his only award really is the the real one is the Heart of a Marketer award. Yeah. First time ever uh, granted to an attorney. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Seth, defend yourself. I mean, introduce
0: yourself <laughs> to everyone here. Well, first of all, full disclosure, I am not a patent attorney. So uh, okay, uh, that's good. a whole separate, separate thing, a whole separate wardrobe, which I just can't pull off. So uh, so thank you for uh, that introduction. I, uh, as we were talking earlier, I really grew up in a, a local business where my, my folks had retail sporting goods stores in, uh, in a couple states and several cities and actually my grand, my grandparents were in the business before that. So I grew up with a real front row seat on the task of a local merchant marketing their brand and their identity to the prospective consumers. And also because we were retailers, we were also marketing the goods of some of our vendors, which were Nike and Oakley and Adidas and Spalding and some of the the very big brands, Trek bicycles, that yeah. that that people um, interact with, and I got to really see and learn from those from those professionals. And then dad sold the business, and I had a crisis, went to law school, and uh, now I'm I'm trying to recover by focusing on something that builds value.
2: There you go. I appreciate that. So you have you have um, you've got a history of companies with no sense of humor at all. Yes. Um, about their about their brand and how you use it. Yes. Um, and this is the kind of question, you know, we've got, um, if you listeners, if you're not already a member, uh, you should be. We've got a group on Facebook called Custom Apparel Startups. There's a little over 9,000 professionals or or people that want to be in the custom t-shirt business um, that are in there every day and they're asking questions about the business. And the one reason that, that it's great to have you on today, Seth, is that, the most common questions are the ones that we are going to ask and you're going to talk about. And the first one is kind of what's what's the difference between trademarks and copyrights and, and really why does that matter to people like our customers?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's that is a great question and I wish more people asked it. So there's there's three sort of standard protectable registrable Forms of intellectual property, and you know, one of the one of the core things to understand about intellectual property is it's property. So, what is property? You may ask yourself. Um, do you know, Mark? Do you know?
2: <laughs> um, no. You, normally, it's like something I can hold. That's what I think of. I it's, think of property is.
1: Yeah, it's something you—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's something that you own oh, that you have yeah. stake to.
0: Yeah, so so that's all true, but it's a little circular because uh, so what does ownership mean? Like that's that's like the super excruciatingly um, uh, experience you might have in law school. Okay, Mark, that's good. What does ownership mean? So right. so ownership fundamentally means the right to exclude. So if you have ownership of anything, you're able to exclude somebody else in some way, shape, or form. So you think about your house, you can say, "Hey, Mark, you can make Mark not able to come to your house, and other people can't yeah. just walk into your house." You, you I've
1: done that. I actually. do. That's yeah. how. That's how so we that's have, have forbid. Right. Exactly.
0: Each we can even put a sign up. So, yeah. so intellectual property gives you the right to exclude people from using that that property. So, so that's that's important to understand before we talk about the differences. So, the differences between trademark and copyright. Copyright is the ownership of an original work. So if I draw a picture or if I write a song or if I sing a song or make a video or take a photograph or write some code, then I own that original work. And I and my cop, my rights, my copyrights attach as soon as I publish them. In other words, as soon as I make them available to the, to the public. So my ownership right prevents somebody else from copying them. So of course we're familiar with you know on every uh, NFL uh, broadcast you hear, this broadcast is exclusive property of the National Football League, at any rebroadcast blah blah blah. So what they're saying is you can't, you know, record that and rebroadcast it for, for profit. Like that's it's theirs. They created it, they spent a ton of money and resources to deliver that broadcast and they they own it. So there's a and there's all kinds of um, little niche examples of what a what what is copyrightable and what is what is not copyrightable but essentially just think of it as well let's use a t-shirt as a metaphor Um, so if I draw a picture and I just comes to me this vision for this picture and I draw it then I own that drawing as soon as I've published it right I I have to I I have to in order for the, the the legally for, for me to establish the copyright, I have to publish it. So if I post it online or if I if I put it out there for the public to see, then then that point in time is where my, my copyrights attach. So now if somebody buys, let's say, let's say Mark, you love this this little image I've created, you say, hey, I want to use that as the logo for my company. Um, right. Then what you're saying is I want to use this image for the public to identify me. So I, I think a lot about uh, copyright is the what, like what is the, the, the creative work and trademark is the who, like who do you think of when you see that creative work? So if you, if you take my triangle with the squiggle in it and say, that's going to be your logo, then what you're saying is when people see this logo, they want them to think of you. If they put that, if you put that logo, like I may have thought of it as this image on the chest for a t-shirt, but you may say, "No, I'm going to make this little logo inside the label um, in the in the inside back of the t-shirt." And when people see that label, they they're going to know that this t-shirt came from my company. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So may, maybe if and this might not be a perfect example, but the way I'm thinking about it would be. Um, if, uh, if, say, Nike as a brand comes up with a design for a t shirt, uh, a, a guy running, you know, yeah. and, and a lady giving him a high five, and that's the t shirt, then they might copyright that design. No one else can reproduce that design. They own that, they have ownership of that design. Right. However, the swoosh, which they also have ownership of, that's their trademark because you're, you don't identify a guy high fiving a girl running as nike but right. the swoosh identifies right nike. no
0: that's that that's exactly right so the 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 design of their of their products um are are, are copyright so the the um and there's a, there's another there's another niche field which is too geeky to geeky get involved with called uh, design patents but essentially that that design that um that you know, image on the front of the t T-shirt, the, the the runner getting the high five. That's an original work. They own it. Um, and fashion has its own sort of sort of rules, but you can't just copy that image. So if you go find that artwork out there on the internet um, and right click on it and download it and then upload it to um, to your uh, graphic program, um, you're stealing that that original work essentially. Um, and yeah. the way we say that is infringing. Because, of course, we have to invent a new word for what we're doing so we can charge more for it. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah infringement is yeah. much more expensive to deal with than, than that. But what's tricky about it is that, is that oh, oh, we're, we're, oh,
1: we're, we're getting a little bit of feedback. Hopefully that doesn't uh, stay. Uh, but what can be really, really, about can be really tricky about, it, about is this is – when we think about making something, right? So we think about um, that you took uh, a, a wood and you chopped it up, right? And yeah. you ground it down and you made it into a little wooden table, okay. a, just a tiny little doll table. Okay. And somebody takes that. Now you might've gotten the wood for free from from your yard, right? right? A piece of scrap wood. But you took time and you made it. If somebody were to walk in your house and take that, right? they stole that from you. Yes. Now, the the tricky part about graphics and T-shirts is somebody took something for, for free, basically, which is um, digital dots and stri- and stripes and colors. It's not an object. Yeah, it's not an object that they took, but they still took time and they made something. Yeah. And then, however, it's it's much easier to take it because you can just right click it. But you don't have to go into their house and take it. But either way, their time, effort, creative work that they
0: did, are is yeah. something that's being stolen. Yeah, yeah. it is. Is we're, right? we're, we're about to get deep here, right? Because because this is where this amazing, you know, system that we have protects innovation. Like the whole the whole idea behind the the patent and trademark office is to protect innovation, so people can't just steal your stuff. Which would create a disincentive for you to go create things. Like in, in before there was things like patent protection, if you invented a new way to to make shoes, the shoemakers guild would come burn your house down because you know, or, or they would just steal your idea, right? There there was there was no upside for it for yeah. you. But in this case, um, on, on the patent side, and patents are how, right? Um, the the government basically gives you a twenty year monopoly. On how you're doing something, as long as you tell everybody else about it, so that way you, we all yeah. get to benefit from the knowledge, but you get to benefit from from your work. And in copyright, if you create the special design, you benefit from um, you get to benefit from that work, and you're able to show it to the public, where the public can potentially copy it, right click it, etc. But you have that you have that protection.
2: So do, do I, do I have to do anything to copyright or if I just do a design, if I do an original design and I put it up on my t-shirt store, is that act copyrighted or do I own the rights to
0: it? it? When When you publish it, you've got, you've got the copyright. However, it is not registered. And when you register it, you get some additional, very valuable, um, tools. Um, you get, uh, you get the right to statutory damages because otherwise you're you're only going to get actual damages. And actual damages like if you if someone sold two or three t-shirts, then your actual damages might be the profits from those two or three t-shirts or what your fee would have been, and that's not enough to engage somebody who wants to take that on for litigation. Because and you might be shocked about this, there are no there are no copyright police. Right? There are not there are not you know, government employees who run around looking for infringers. You have to enforce this yourself, and right. that costs money. So if you register your copyright, you get statutory damages. Um, and a lot of us on this phone, on this podcast have probably gotten some nasty cease and desist letter from a, a independent attorney working for, I don't know, maybe Getty Images who has found somebody that has right clicked on an image they saw someplace and used it in a in either a publication without permission or much worse on a product that they're yeah. selling. And they are, you know, these guys basically get paid on contract to go, they, they, they're sophisticated programs that find those images and they trace it back to the registered email, the registered website, if it's a online usage and you get the C and D letters and they're particularly when those copy, when those copyrights are registered, they get all those tools. They get to statutory damages, seven hundred fifty dollars per um, per uh, instance, and it can go way up from there. So and if it's willful, it's um, it could be hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You get attorneys fees, you get um, those kinds of things. So if you if you create a original work, let's just say an image, and you're planning to use it commercially, it's worth it to register it. And, and copyright registration is relatively easy and or inexpensive. Um, trademark registration is okay. can be much more involved.
1: So, so if I had a t-shirt store and I had um, 100 right. original designs and I decided I wanted to copyright right. all of those as mine, Ballpark, how much effort, like hours of work and money, might I expect to spend to do that? Because I'm always looking at like, what's going to be my return on that? If if I have to infringe, so yeah. if I'm if I'm going to sell, if I have a hundred designs, but I'm not that big of a store, and I don't plan to be that big because I'm really just a micro small business, and and I'm only going to sell. You know, I'm gonna sell 500 shirts a year. Uh, yeah, and is it gonna be is it gonna be worth it if somebody steals it? Um, versus if I'm like really want to grow big and I'm like, well, I'm gonna pro- I'm hoping to sell 10,000 of each shirt in five years. I can see well, all right, the copyright is that math is easy on the big one.
0: Yeah. So what, what about is, the small? So, yeah. What are those you know, numbers? the numbers? The basic, the standard filing fee, just the, so the fee that you pay the government to to register your copyright is 55 bucks. Um, it it can be a little bit less. If you're registering um, one work that you made yourself, in other words, because if you go back to the, the example of your shop, odds are you probably hired a contractor to help create some of those those, those works, and so um, so you know, now we're back to our fifty five dollars. There are group registration rates, and if you're going to have an attorney do it, I would say if, if you if you if you came to them and said, "Hey, I got one copyright. How much is it going to cost to register it?" You know, they're going to they're going to charge you to set up the relationship. You're going to sign an engagement letter. You know, they're there, it's going to be a little bit more to hire, to do one than to do 10 at a time or hundred at a time or to say, Hey, you're going to be on retainer. I'm going to, I'm going to file, you know, five or 10 of these a month. So, but, but the, the, the fee to yeah. the government is, is, you know, 35 to 55 bucks per original work. And if you, if you think about, what that's worth to you, like having that copyright for any one of them may not ever look like something valuable. If you go sell your company, they're gonna to wanna to know that you've, you've got rights in all that artwork, because the fact is, so let, let's go back to your, let's use the example. So let's say you've got this t-shirt company, it's an online store, and all you do is design original works and, and sell them. So yeah. there's, So, there's, so yeah. let's say I wanna buy your company. So what am I buying? Well, the only thing let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a big screen printer. Um, the only thing that you've got that I don't have there, is intellectual property. You've got the designs that I want because that's that's special. It's obviously creating creating cash flow for you, and you've got a brand. Yeah. So you're so because you've sold these T-shirts and because you keep bringing these particular designs to market. When I see one of those designs or when I see the name of your company, I think, oh, that's probably going to be a cool design. So if you you take it a step further, if you walk into a department store and you see a Prana t-shirt, you go, well, you know, Prana's got really cool sort of fitness, yoga inspired t-shirt designs. and. Even a pretty plain T-shirt with just that little Prana logo in the in the um, corner there, that evokes a certain yeah. feeling for me, almost independent of the design that's on that particular shirt. Because when I see the when I see or hear the name Prana, I think of all the cool stuff I've ever seen them do, or all the crappy stuff I've ever seen them do. It's a constant right. one of the um, one of the Disney guys, um, I think it was Michael Eisner said, you know, a, a brand and that now we're now we're going on to the brand piece. A brand a brand is not the trademark. Um, the brand is the living, breathing, constantly evolving compilation of all the things that all the experiences that you've ever had with that company or with that entity. Those are it's, it's basically the feeling that you get when you see that brand. And it can be a really good feeling, or it can yeah. be a really bad feeling, or it can be kind of an uncomfortable feeling. Like when you when you see the the um, like you know Edsel the 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 brand um, Edsel the car wound up becoming this a, a, a brand for kind of a failed product, right? Like a like a very um, like like a miss a, a miss a, a, miss, a, a big um, difficult thing. Yeah. Um, whereas Tesla has a yeah. very different brand idea. Like when you think Tesla, it's like, oh, Tesla's now making cell phone batteries. You'd be like, well, wow, that's probably a badass cell phone battery because their cars are amazing. Like so, you know, that's that the brand gives you what, what gives you pricing power. It gives you that additional feeling. Someone asked me this question once and I it was in I do a lot of work in the in the craft beer space. You know, imagine you've got two identical beers, one in a blank can that says beer, and the other in a can with a brand on it. the The value of the brand is how much more you can sell a branded can for. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, so that makes sense. You, so let me since ask you, you.
2: Since you, since you, uh, yes, since you mentioned. Disney, um as 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 one of your examples. So this is a common thing for for our customers um, that it sounds like has to do with copyright. Is that you know uh everyone knows that, that a few companies like Disney, um Universal, Warner Brothers have SWAT teams of copyright attorneys um that fly around the country and shoot people if right. they use their logos.
0: Like, right.
2: Yeah, but you know, they do. They've yeah. seen it. <laughs> they, Allegedly. Um, so but what will happen is is they'll they'll say a couple of things, say, well, I'm just you know, I'm just doing this for my family or um, I've just got these couple of shirts that I want to print that have Mickey Mouse right. in the corner. But, you know, the rest of it is my design. Can you can you talk about that kind of scale of. Yeah, you know, so trouble and not trouble.
0: I would say that would be kind of like going into a biker um, bar and um, hitting on one of the um, boyfriends or girlfriends of the people there and saying, hey, I just thought she was cute. Um, okay. You're asking for trouble that you cannot dig yourself out of. It's if you're talking about, so let me back up for a second. First things first, why do you have the mouse in the design? Ask yourself that first. If you've got the mouse in the design because it kind of reminds you of Disney or of Mickey, you're screwed and you're dumb if you use it because they are going to shut you down. That is, and that's not copyright, that's trademark. That is, that mark identifies their brand and it doesn't have to be an identical copy it only has to be it only has to create a likelihood of confusion in the mind of the purchasing public so 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 yeah
2: so if somebody thinks it might be a disney shirt right they think it might be one then then you're in violation yeah Uh,
1: and it it reminds me of um we had this uh this customer um, this was so long ago, but he had um this idea of making flags for um for like, for like college football teams. Okay, and um all he did was he put um he put words that were nothing related to the team, but they were in the colors and the fonts that he used kind of looked like their fonts, but but they weren't. Um, so although. So, although it was not in no way, it didn't look like it. it I mean, it looked kind of like it. However, when I looked at it, I was like, "Oh, that's Penn State." And he's like, "Yeah, it's a Penn State flag."
0: Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. He
1: got shut down. For he him. deserves. Yeah. He, ne- he never started um, his business because.
0: Yeah. And, and, it, so, so this is yeah. what I like about trademark trademark law. And of course, you don't like it if you're the guy getting shut down. But what I like about it in general is it's a very it's very practical. And the the bummer about it is. There's no bright lines because it's very practical, right? It's hard to create bright, bright lines when you're trying to be practical. But if you're creating a likelihood of confusion and he was doing it intentionally, right? Like he basically said, I want to make something that makes people think about Penn State but it's not an exact copy of Penn State. So he may he may not have been infringing on one of their copyright copyright-written designs. But he was definitely infringing on purpose with their brand elements. And the law on this is the the, the case that, that we read, one of the cases we read about this in law school was about um, two restaurants that were both, um, it was uh, Dos Pesos versus Taco Cabana, I think. Um, and I can't remember who was the plaintiff, who was the defendant, but basically the plaintiff was complaining that the defendant's restaurant just looked a lot like their restaurant and it wasn't any one specific thing it wasn't like oh their signs identical or their names identical or even close not at all they're saying that the overall impression was close enough that people would get confused and that's that's actually called trade dress infringement so if you so so a trademark okay. doesn't have to be a word or an image it can be a shape or a color or a sound Dun dun dun! You know, if you hear that sound, that NDC sound, or that you know back, be- no one on most people won't remember this, yeah. but used, people used to collect phone calls, and when you made a collect phone call, AT&T oh, well. had that specific specific sound it would make um, if you dialed that 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 number. Those are trademarks because when you hear those sounds, or or uh, Harley Davidson has trademarked the sound of their exhaust because they know that other companies are going to try to tune their wow. their engines to sound like a harley and they're like no that's part of the overall commercial impression of our brand smart right like like, like yeah it makes sense yeah, so
2: that is so, so
0: trademark is pretty broad and if you and a lot of people think that they can sort of get away with oh it's not the exact font but it looks like it doesn't it like yeah, that looks like it doesn't. it Part is the part that will get you in big trouble. So there's. So I live in a my home base. Although I do work all over the country is um, in this sort of medium sized uh, metro area. And there was a there was a bakery here, a little local bakery in a strip mall that opened, and it called itself Doughboy, right? So it opens up. It calls itself Doughboy, and you know, yeah. there's from a fun little blurb of the paper. It's like, oh, new bakery on the corner of whatever, and it just so happens that there is a, and just coincidentally, this probably wouldn't have mattered, but there is a General Mills plant here in town. So apparently, the owner of the of the bakery gets a cease and desist letter from General Mills saying, hey, you can't use Doughboy for a bakery we own the trademark. And by the way, we've owned it for 50 years, and it's probably one of the most valuable assets we have. And the owner was like, dude, this is crazy. I just had a little tiny bakery. Doughboy was my nickname in school. They can't take that away from me. It's like, oh, yes, they can. You cannot identify yourself as a bakery when another company has spent hundreds of millions of dollars over decades investing in that trade name so that customers When they see it, they think of them. It turns out that somebody had wandered into the plant and says, oh, cool, you're opening a retail store here in town. We're like, what? (laughs) So so don't don't think that you can can say, oh, well, it's it's small. It doesn't matter. It's like, no, the big companies, it matters a lot. It's their biggest asset. They know that. They're responsible to the shareholders. They can't say, even if they love the little bakery, they can't say, oh, we're going to cut you some slack. They, they cannot do that. They have fiduciary duties to their investors. Institutional pension funds.
2: Not going to happen. So you're saying that I wasted my time naming my daughter Coca-Cola?
0: You're saying I wasted my time naming my daughter Coca-Cola? You're saying I wasted my time naming my daughter coca You waste your time, probably. But um, is it trademark infringement to name your child after a brand? It's probably child abuse, but um, it may not be trademark infringement because, and this is another thing, so if Doughboy was a hardware store, General Mills would have had a really hard time shutting them down because a, a member right. of the purchasing public is kind of unlikely to go, oh, cool, they're making, you know, they're selling um, hammers and, and, um, and power tools now. Mm-hmm. Not really, but yeah. they're selling baked goods. Yes. Now, if they yes. were selling prepared meals as a restaurant, I don't know, that's that's sort of more, now we're back in law school, it's like, I don't know, where's mm-hmm. the line?
2: Well, can can we run through some some examples, um, you know, of typical questions that we know, get, an and you maybe sign? give us some guidance on those? <laughs> yes, we did. No, we don't. I'm no, um, no, really very be be with. So...
1: so Gotcha. Yes, this is not legal advice. And I'm gonna I'm gonna preface the entire podcast on this. This we're talking about this to help you get educated. So when you go to your own attorney or your own, you know, trademark attorney or trademark law, however, you kind of have you've heard some of the words before, you understand what you're getting into, and I'm also just teaching you a little common sense to say, Hey, yes. I should probably check with an attorney. Yeah. And I, and I think that maybe we can agree all together that the message
0: is well, the whole I, I purpose of this podcast is to I don't want to check make it sound like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to just help my my colleagues um, uh, do nothing but, but make more money. But I, I, I think exactly what you said, this is about issue spotting. And I don't want people to say, oh, I know, I won't use the same words or exactly the same font, but I'm using the same colors and, and make it because that will make the public think that it's theirs, but it's really not. Don't do that. That will cost you a lot more money than calling your attorney and having a five minute conversation. Say, can I do that? They're going to say no. And that's a much.
2: Well, speaking of common sense, I, I really love what you said about, you know, like if your intent was to make it look yep. like something, then you're in the wrong. You know, I mean, that's yeah. clear. and that's
1: true. The, the thing about that is true and why this is common sense is because. Uh, if, if for our listeners out there who are parents, yeah, right, and your child um, maybe does not bring home a specific uh, uh, letter from their teacher that's something bad, and they leave it in the locker, and then the mom, oh, how's school going? And and they kind of vaguely answer, and then but they don't actually lie, you know, they don't actually do any, they right. just kind of misdirect everything. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the the the. Parent teacher conference day comes and, and he says, oh, about this. Yeah. Wait, I didn't. So you talk to your child and, well, you didn't ask me about that. You didn't. The whole purpose of it was like, no, you were attempting to kind of, you're really misdirecting me. Yeah, it was on purpose. Yeah. And that's what you could do with this copyright and trademark stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I changed the ear shape and I changed the color. No,
2: but you were, you were doing it on purpose. So, so I've get, just got two minutes two comments about that the first thing is is i have met ella mark's daughter and and she would never do that kind of thing <laughs> no. and i'm also equally sure that at least half a dozen times in mark's early life that he did do those oh things. oh i'm
1: sure that i did all, um, all those so, things so really
2: seth what what i was going to ask you about is kind of you had mentioned the words and phrases thing and that is something that comes up a lot you know can I, can I use like a slogan that's been right. on another shirt so, or that it accompanies- So this is a good
0: example of where copyrights and trademarks, um, uh, can get confusing, uh, pretty quickly. So, you know, copyright and, and the statute says it protects the original works of authorship fixed in any tangible medium of expression. All right. Um, and so it prohibits the actual copying. Now generally short words and phrases, names, titles, Um, Slogans are are generally not protected. Um, However, those things, if they become trademarks, are totally protectable and will be protected. So I wouldn't rely on seeing. If you're copying something, I would say, don't do it. It's it's not. And and if you if you really want to do it, try to get permission. Um, Because if you're selling it. Um, odds are at the very least, you're going to have to go defend yourself and say, oh no, this, this copyright doesn't apply because it's, it's, it's too short. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a two word phrase. Um, it's commonly used, you know, why, why, why bother getting into that? Um,
2: yeah, well, but, but for example, you know, like, let's say that they're, you know, that I'm starting a t-shirt business and my, um, my niche is, is, MMA so you know so and I've seen shirts all over the place that says you know like um, my son or daughter kicks right. ass in MMA or I'm an MMA mom you know and and they're out there and they're they're published is that the kind of thing that I should be worried about or consult an I attorney would, about before I so put on my in own general
0: shirt? that's the kind of short word or phrase that is not um, that is n- that Is is so commonly used, like you know, you've got an MMA mom, and you've got a hockey mom, and a soccer mom, and a you know band mom, and a chess mom, and like all that World of Warcraft mom. So I I think that, and and again, I've done zero research on this issue, so this is not legal advice, and you are crazy if you take it as legal advice. But um, that is probably less likely to be a problem. But let me give you an actual example that I think is in this industry. Which is um, the twelfth man. So the twelfth man was, um, I think it was Texas Tech that uh, that was using the phrase to talk about their home field advantage, and they actually filed for and got trademark protection in the twelfth man. So what they're saying is that when you hear that phrase, you're thinking about the twelfth man as you know as our home field advantage, our home team, our, our, our fans and crowd. So a couple of other college football teams started using it and they sent out some, what I'm assumed to be initially kind of polite letters saying, can't really do that. We own it. And they all stopped. Um, and then a couple of them signed license agreements. The one that didn't comply in either way was the Seahawks. And they wound up in litigation and ultimately they sold for money. And so now the Seahawks have the right to use the 12th man um, because, but they're paying um, the the original um, trademark owner. 12th man is a two word phrase and you can say it in numbers or you can say it in letters. You could say it in pictogram. You could say, um, you could have the number 12 and a symbol of a man. That's still going to have a commercial impression that would make you think of that 12th man. And so if you go try to use that, you're infringing potentially on if you use Seahawks colors, you're going to be infringing on the Seahawks' right to use it, which they've bought and paid for, or Texas Tech's right. So, so the the answer and I'm going to I'm going to give this yeah, away because yeah, this, this is super valuable. I'm going to give you the answer to every legal question you've ever had okay. or ever will have. Are you ready? The answer is always, go. it go. depends. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no, thought you were going to no, go with really, pretty, But you've got to cool. know what it depends on.
2: Yeah,
1: I yeah, no, I can see that because you mentioned like the Doughboy earlier. And um, so it's like I own a hardware store and I name it Doughboy, but I don't actually have the picture of the Doughboy anywhere near it. It's not even in the same colors. And I can prove, you know, that that, you know, that's my nickname. It's in my high school yearbook and it's just Doughboy hardware. There's probably in that case, it, it, it would be it's a lot. It would be a big attorney battle back and forth. And eventually a judge to, to close that down compared to where if that store in the mall you mentioned actually yeah. had the picture of the Doughboy on the window, it's much more obvious. Right. And um, so I have two questions that that um, maybe you can answer quickly or back to back even. But for one is um, how do I know, like, is there a way to easily check? Like I'm in Alabama and I want to put Roll Tide on a shirt. Is there, a, is there somewhere I can go to find out if well, Alabama took the rights sure. to that?
0: Um, there's a – so you can go to the USPTO website and you can search. There's a trademark search feature there. So and, – and full disclosure on this, um, I as a trademark attorney a lot of trademark attorneys – Actually, um, do things like trademark clearance and trademark searches. So even though you can search on it, you you may or may not be able to interpret the results. But they've got a lot of self help tools on there. There are a lot of resources. And actually, I'm on I'm on a panel next month with the um, at the Craft Brewers Conference with some of the um, with members of the of the PTO. one of the things they want to talk about is how many is that there are a lot of resources for in, for individuals to go do some of this work themselves. So if you go to um, if you go at, if you go to uspto.gov/trademark, there is a um, there's a little green button in the upper right corner called Quick Links, and then there's one called Tests, which is the search trademark database. So you can go do a basic word search and just punch in the exact phrase you're looking for. So I'm going to do Roll Tide right now. Too bad we're not in video and. I see. So, and while you're,
1: while you're doing that, so this can kind of, the, the way I see it is like, this is like, um, uh, if you go to the biker bar and you see a, and you see a an, a woman that you find attractive and you want to go hit on her, and there's a guy with his arm around it, arm around <laughs> her, right? Um, that's the equivalent of you going to the, right. this website and seeing right there, it says, yes. Right. right. The, the the arms around this. Is, this is probably this guy's girlfriend. If you go and she's sitting alone, that doesn't mean she's single. So if you go to this website and you don't find it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. It's just that it's not apparent at this moment. So you could hit on her. Then he can come out of the bathroom. You can print this T-shirt that says whatever it is, even because you didn't find it online. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the woods. It doesn't need, mean to be. You have to be scared about it, but it's just important to m- remember it depends. I just got to say,
2: I'm very uncomfortable yeah. with a lot of the examples. That no, we're doing good so, today. So let me so example you example what do you want you right? to to
0: um, tell us about that? If the trademark is registered, it doesn't matter whether you look at it or not. You have what we call in the law biz constructive notice. So constructive, in case you're it keeps you wondering what that actually means. In this case, it means not really. Um, so you don't actually have notice, but the law says we're going to treat you like you did have notice because you could have gone and look it up. And if you went, if you didn't do it, tough luck. We're going to treat you as though you had. Does that make sense? So roll tide yeah. is a – active yeah, registered trademark of the board of trustees of the university of Alabama in class six for key rings, metal license plates for land vehicles and license plate frames in class 16 for notebooks, loose leaf binders, writing paper, blah, 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 blah. In class 18 for tote bags in class 20 for stadium cushions in class 21 for drinking mugs and stuff like that in class 25, this is the big one for us. For T-shirts, ladies and men, sweaters, sweatshirts, blazers, yada, yada, yada. In class 27 for doormats. And then interestingly, it was canceled in several other categories. For candles, for racket covers, and basketballs, um, and for ashtrays and lighters. (laughs)
1: There you go. There's the business. I, I feel and like roll ashtrays. roll tide astray. Well, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying the URL on so, GoDaddy
0: right now. Yes, <laughs> we, <laughs> we should probably not on this call. We should we should talk about it. But so yeah, so so you can go search the the database. One word of caution is that people will say, "Hey, search the database. I didn't find it. I'm good, right?" Wrong. You know. So what's the answer? No. It depends. The answer is it depends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, like the boyfriend was in the bathroom thing. Yeah. You went in there and and you didn't see somebody with his arm around her. Well, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have a boyfriend and that he's not just in a place where you couldn't easily find it compared to if you would have uh, hunted, (laughs) if you would have hired a private eye, it was creepy. You hire a private, a private guy eye and be like, "This girl, so this girl in the bar, is she? Does she, uh, she have a boyfriend?" And you hire a private eye for two like weeks. This is
2: so so <laughs>
1: And then if he doesn't find it, then you're probably highly likely, but
2: still, it depends. So, so Please. let me completely no. dis- derail this part <laughs> of the conversation. And let me ask you, because you know, in addition to whether or not we can use this phrase um, and whether or not we can copy, um, you know, copy this image off of one of our competitors or off of some national brand, we also we also get the question about you know your your own trademark, right. like your own business name, your own your own letters. You know, how do you yeah? So that's, that's, get a, and that's a really good question. And
0: so and this is what I do every. First of all, you you've got to start you want to start okay. with a good mark. And most most a lot of my clients come to me when they've already been in business for a couple of years and they, they they they're kind of pretending that they don't want to know, but they know there's there's something that, that they should know about. The first thing to do is to, is to check and see what the namespace looks like around your, your business name right now. Because a lot of people think that they go like if you're in Florida, right? And if, if let's say the four of us, like Mark, Mark, and Seth, want to go open a yep. taco truck, and and we just register our LLC with the state of Florida, and it says, um, you know, Mark, Mark, and Seth is, uh, is is your LLC is your corporate name. You're like, wait, I got it right? That is not true at all. Like all you're doing with the with the with the state um, corporations division is Creating a unique name that, and it can be unique by one letter. They don't care at all. It's not your trade name. Or it doesn't have. It could be your trade name, but but they don't do any additional checking around that. If we were instead of the taco truck, if we were going to do a real estate project, yeah. we might buy a piece of land, subdivide it into three parcels, and parcel one would be MMS one, and parcel two would be ML MMS two, and parcel three would be ML MMS three, right? So no, those are not distinctive names, but then we might call it, you know, um, you know, Lagoon of the um, Bottomless IPA, right? That would be our subdivision. And assuming that that name is not confusingly similar to something else and is distinctive, which it probably is for a residential um, um, or office real estate project, um, then we would have the opportunity to go apply for trademark protection. If you don't apply for trademark protection, um, a little bit like cop- copyright, you still have, you still may have common law rights, but the most important thing, back to your question, I'll try to answer it, is you should to, to get and keep your trademark, first understand if you're in business what the namespace is. If you're not in business yet, if you're about to open a new business, I really encourage you to work with a professional to help you find a name that is distinctive. And I would start with that way before your logo. Your logo is Secondary. Um, you're going to change your logo. I promise you, you're going to do it. Um, you, if you can lock up the name first, that is much more important. It's broad. When people ask you, it's like, what kind of shoes are those? I don't draw them a picture, right? I say they're, you know, Saconis. So, so that, you know, internet search is, is based on that. It's, that's super, super important. So the, the two reasons that people people's trademarks don't get registered or they wind up in litigation or they have other problems with them. Most commonly, number one, it's confusingly similar to something else. Number two, this happens all the time. It is descriptive, too descriptive. And what that means is if your, if your name describes what you do, the government's not going to give you a monopoly on those descriptive terms. So if you are, you know, Miami T-shirt shop and you're in Miami and you sell T-shirts, they're not going to say you're the only one who can use Miami T-shirt shop in your name for T-shirt shops in Miami. They're not going to do that. It, it is what it is. It doesn't distinguish you. There's, there are way, If you've been in business for five years and you've managed to protect, okay. you've managed to prevent anybody else from using that mark um, and now the public only thinks of you when they hear that name, then there's a, there's a second, there's a, um, there's, there's what's called a Secondary meaning, a two-f uh, way to, to to protect that, but it, it's a bad place to start. Um, and a lot of people want to start that way because they want people to they want people to see the name for the first time and know what you're doing. A valuable trademark is the opposite. It's they see a name that's completely distinctive, but they come to associate it with a particular business, like Starbucks. Do you know where Starbucks comes from? The name. Anybody? Um, close, Melville, uh, Shakespeare. Uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> a book, right? So it's, it's not close. It's close being not so Starbucks. So yeah. nothing to do with coffee in 1972. Right. Today, when you say Starbucks, you don't think of coffee. You think of that coffee, right? right. So. That that's a that is a strong right. mark yeah. because they have invested years, dollars, millions of impressions to develop that that recognition. So this is important. There's a bunch of other reasons. There's I mean I get these occasionally. Primarily a surname. Um, if it's offensive, um, they'll they'll refuse protection. There's a very interesting Supreme Court case about that this year. Uh, but but starting off right is is really important. And I think. For those of us who are in the the, the apparel business, particularly as screen printers, screen printers have their own brand, um, and you guys have a brand, for example. But yep. your clients have brands too. Like as screen printers, you, we see a lot of yep. um, a lot of client marks, and I, I think it's it's helpful to understand and maybe to help some of those clients know, point them in the right direction in terms of what what the marks are, and you don't want to be in the So a couple things I want to talk about on, on this podcast today, when people give you a piece of artwork, whatever your, whatever your intake form does or says, it should have them represent that they own or have rights to that artwork. And they will indemnify you in the event that somebody else thinks that it's infringing. And so what that means is, if I bring you Mark a piece of artwork and ask you to print it, and it turns out somebody else says it's infringing, they're going to sue me, but they're also going to sue you, and and you want me to promise to defend you, to step into your shoes and say, "Hey, this is my problem. I'll 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 take care of it." Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's
2: important. Yeah, I like that. That's um, really yeah, that's it. That's important. So is um. So is there anything that are there, are mm-hmm. there, so if I, if I have what I think should be a trademark right now, um, is there, is there something that I should do? So like the, the first thing that, that, I that, that I would do in order is, to protect and,
0: that, and you know, you can, you can uh, do this any way you'd like. You can talk to an attorney, you can, um, do some initial research on yourself, you can do it yourself or you can do a combination. The first thing I would do is what I call an audit, understand what, the what your rights are or what your challenges are in that mark so so i work with a a lot of craft brewery clients and typically they have a house brand so they've got the name of the brewery you know Acme brewery and then if they're a production brewery they've got you know four or six skus that they put in cans and they distribute and i would say first audit each of those each of those brands each of those marks and understand what the competition, what the namespace is. When I say the competition, I wanna know, is anybody else using something that is that mark or confusingly similar? Are there any applications or registrations for that mark or those are confusingly similar? Where are those people? Who are those people? So, so we sort of build a, when I do this for, when I do this as a lawyer for clients, I usually um, give them back a report that says, okay, here's the five names we looked at and here's what I saw for each name. This is the, these are the challenges, this is how serious I think the challenges are, Um, and this is who the challengers would be. Like, for example, if I had been representing that bakery, I would have said, dude, it's General Mills, it's like, it's a direct infringement, change your name now. (laughs) Like, that's what I would have said. Um, Because, you know, General Mills is not going to back down, and they've got no defenses. And by the way, it's completely worthless for you to fight it. Particularly if you're a new brand, because your brand is meaningless to everyone but you. It's your, your brand becomes valuable as the public interacts with it. Yeah. So, so fighting a trademark dispute early in your company's history is kind of a waste of time. You're better off finding a better brand name um, because your return on investment from that's to be a lot higher. Um, with the, I mean, some people say that trademark fights are good because you get free publicity. Um, it depends. <laughs> no, no, just, yeah, it's a very dangerous game to, to play.
2: Doesn't doesn't sound good to me. Um, okay, so in the uh, and and we're 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 about to to wrap up. We're getting close to time here, um, but I did want to um, ask a couple of questions that we've gotten on our custom apparel uh, startups group related specifically to this, and these are kind of common things that we hear and we get questions about, uh, before we finish. So I think we have, we'll probably have like three or four more questions. So let's lightning
1: round them out in like five minutes or less. Yeah.
2: Sounds good. So so in other words, we, we've got one, uh, um, lady, uh, Helene on the CAS group that does, she writes books and she sends them off to the copyright office and, uh, and, and that, that handles the copyright part for her on that part of her business. Can she send embroidery designs on a CD um, to the copyright office with the appropriate paperwork and, and fees and just have so, that serve so as, as I would to probably get the copyright. I
0: not want to answer that question out in a little bit more detail about it. I mean, she's going to have to submit a sample of her design and she's going to have to basically show that okay. she's published it. So, so, you know, again, going back to, um, to, okay. to what's, what's what copyright protection covers uh, original works of authorship fixed in any tangible medium right so um so on a cd is probably a tangible medium but you know this is not how they're going to uh they're, they're going to be used if you if you if she published the the embroidery works on her website and said hey these are examples of my work or um or or you know these are designs that i have available that's probably publication um, but and, and and can she submit it electronically um, okay. most of the, most of the when I do trademarks it's all electronic today all my specimens you know everything's electronic you you there are some people who like to do it the old-fashioned way the office actually charges you more for it um, it takes longer you know there's like electronic submission is really the the norm.
1: Okay, um, so one thing is is something that I've written down. So I think we can answer this really quick, nip it in the butt, just to be very clear. Yeah. Uh, what what I've heard a thousand times. I've read it on Facebook. I hear people say it in our training classes. I hear customers say it on the phone. Well, if you just change the design by ten percent, you're not gonna be in copyright infringement and we've explained it probably in the first 20 minutes of this podcast that that is clearly no
2: but but like yeah, oh, so let's
0: uh right again, and and, and you, Seth, you are you trying to make it technically different but have a similar commercial impression that is a really bad idea um because First of all, I'm going to claim if I'm if I'm the holder of that original work, I'm going to claim that I've got forget about copyright. Let's pretend copyright didn't exist. I'm going to say, hey, I've got common law trademarks in that, and what you're using is confusingly similar, right? So so you're you're not just having a copyright issue, and the ten percent rule, you know, it's it's. Um, that, that is the kind of thing that people get get into trouble with all the time. It's a, it, it's, did a lawyer tell you that? Did they look at your, did they look at your work? Did they look at what it was? What does 10% mean? 10% of the pixels? Like that, that's not a good idea. No,
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. so it's just a general thing is just because it's different by 10% and, oh, and you they, figured they, out they, how they, that math uh, works, they're like, they're like, don't, have, don't, don't base matter. your business does, off does, of it that. It's, it's really um, the next thing
0: I have is... Do you remember the former president sure. of the United States? Yeah, yeah. So, th- so there was this guy... Um, like I never Pacoval, met John Adams, but I like his work. He was running for president, like. a very famous artist made a poster of him. You remember that, Shepard Ferry. Yeah, exactly, it was a, it was a, it was a graphic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the whole. It was a very graphical image of, of the then candidate um, Barack Obama. So that image was a derivative of a photograph that was taken by a photographer and published by the New York Times. Just recently, the New York Times and Shepard Fairey settled the lawsuit for copyright infringement. Wow. So do you think that that poster was a 10% change from the original photograph? Um, yeah, more. Uh, yeah, tons. Yeah, so um, do you think they enjoyed the, yeah, more. Uh, uh, yeah, the yeah, eight years tons. of litigation um, and uncertainty? Oh, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, um, yeah, so the
1: next thing uh, that we have is um, uh, the, the little R with the circle and the TM, right? Um, so I like Nike does not have to put a TM or R or whatever it would be, I think TM, um, in that corner to make it trademarked, right? That that doesn't like it doesn't mean I can copy it because it doesn't have the TM next to it. So is the TM and the R really just uh, for showing off, or does it actually have any? Because I'm looking at Mark Stevenson's shirt, and he's got an embroidered R. But if he didn't, that doesn't mean somebody can So first of all, those two symbols mean something so very different. So the, the, I guess what's the TM the point basically is just
0: off? you saying that you feel like it's your trademark. That you're saying that this is this is it's kind of like um, your statement that you're using this as a trademark. So you're you're providing some notice in in that mark and you don't have to use it every time you're just um, a lot of times if you look at a um at a press release you might see the symbol in the first instance maybe in the headline or maybe in the first sentence but they'll go ahead and use the mark multiple times afterwards and and they don't have to put it at every at every point Um, the circle r means that it's registered by the by the u.s trademark office and it has a registration number that is currently active and Using the circle R, if your mark is not registered, is a big no-no. It's, um, you are are basically saying something that is factually incorrect. You're representing, you're misrepresenting your mark as registered. And so that is, um, that will get you into some big trouble.
1: But what what if I never use you, it? You what if I, just, use what if I do R, register and trademark it, and I, I do all those things? I don't have to, to use it, right?
0: if you have used it. So what what I usually when so when I'm when I'm working with a client, you know, they're they're going to be. Let's say you come okay. to me and you say, "Hey, um, we've been doing this podcast for a few years, and we want to register a trademark for it." Um, so I'll say, "Okay, we'll start the process," and then I might say, "Hey, by the way." you might put the TM and superscript like right on your website. Um, so people know that, it's a, that, that that you're treating it as a, as a trademark and, not, a, a, and not, not anything else. And so then we'll work our way through the prosecution process. And once it gets registered, um, I usually will send you a, uh, a happy email with uh, the attachment and then a snail mail version of the certificate. And in one of those correspondence, I'll say, hey, by the way, you should start using the Circle R now. Um, because it is, it, it gives it's a again we got constructive notice. So the the circle R is actual notice, right? If you've seen the markets, it, it's up there, um, and it's a helpful fact for you if you have to um, if you have to uh, enforce the mark.
1: oh okay uh-huh. so to me the way I think about it is um don't mention the biker I'm going to the biker <laughs>
0: oh, um, is if the, if yes. if the woman that's um if the woman
1: you're seeing at the bar if she has a wedding ring on that's like your that's like your circle re- right. registered right. r right there it's like no no right. I don't care right. if I was in I'm the right. bathroom so maybe look at her straight finger
2: um, like you had you had
1: plenty um, notice wow I love it. Um, what, what what else do you have? What else do you have, Mark? Do you have another? one? Uh, you know,
2: one? I, I really just I kind of oh, want to wow. want to wrap it up um, by saying that I I think that that Seth has demonstrated his his the the attorney thing with the with the heart of a marketer.
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> do in you have a for heart and, of a marketer. A
2: provided program, us sure. with a lot of great information, which I do appreciate. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it'll be on your plaque. <laughs> it'll be on your plaque. So um, really, what, what I, I think what I'd like to end with is there's a couple of clear instances that we've talked about where it just makes sense to talk to an attorney, um, not just about the trademark and copyright issues, you know, but maybe getting your, your company set up if you really plan on developing a big brand. And there's all kinds of things that we didn't talk about about a small business where an attorney might be useful, yes. like, you know, um, how to deal with contract artists right. and yeah. the work that, that they develop, you know, how to, you know, the, the indemnification clause, things like that. What's the well, best way send for an email. folks to um, approach you with this, this kind of uh, question,
0: you're, this kind You're of information. welcome to call. Um, you call 888-317-3556. Uh, so my partner's a corporate attorney. So we, we do, uh, and we do federal, you know, trademarks are, are federal, Work We do a lot of federal securities exemptions for people who are, who are funding their companies. Um, we, so you're welcome to, to call us, and we will either direct you to an appropriate resource, or if, if we're a good option for you, we're happy to, happy to reach out and talk to you. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned is super important, that dealing with contract artists, um, if they are 1099, not employees, the default rule is they own any work. Um, even if they, and you want to make sure that your documentation, um, changes that so that if, if you contract, if I contract Mark to, to to make me a logo, I want to own the logo. Um, and if Mark's not my employee, the default rule is that he still owns it.
2: Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and I think one thing to, um, that I wanted to say to finish off on, on all of this stuff is is it's really important when you're to always exercise your your gut of intent when you're going to create artwork. What's my intent? Am I am I attempting to circumvent or cheat or represent something else? And and if your gut is saying yes I'm attempting then then you want to go ahead and, and, and do the the, the right thing whether it's just not do that artwork or maybe it's time to get with, you know, an attorney and say, Hey, I'm building this brand. It's coming off. Here's my logos. I want to make sure everything is good. Can you help me? And then the second is, is you mentioned it depends and how important it is to understand that and how there are not police going around. So, so just because um, you steal something doesn't mean anyone is going to find it and just because someone steals something from you doesn't mean that that you are going to find it. And if it is found and it's been changed by the 10%, right. you know, now it it involves, you know, um, well this I made a piece of art this person stole it from me. Well, it's not ju- you can't call the police. You have to get an attorney. Yeah. The attorney is going to have to write something up. It's going to have to contact them. Their attorney is going to have to respond and it could turn into a lot of back and forth. And it might have to go to a judge and it could cost tons of money where a customer will ask, you know, should I do something about this? And it's like, you know what? It depends. Yeah. You. But you've got to consider that it's not always cut and dry and you're in a business and you're in an art type of a business. That's not always cut and dry. So act intelligently. Yeah. make good. Do your best to make good decisions and consider. Hey, if I had to go up to an attorney or if I had to take this to court, what's what's my what's my gut defense on this? And what am I going to tell my attorney? And uh, and I think that it's important to just exercise all of your business practices well, like that yeah. with good intent.
2: Yeah, don't be shady. Don't be That's shady. Fine. Don't be don't shady. Don't be shady. That's the new customer service <laughs> <for our smart laughs> motto. Don't be shady. All right. Listen, uh, Seth, it, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again. I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes and I hope maybe we can do oh, this again awesome. sometime That's and fun. ask a lightning round of even harder questions that you can't answer without more details. Okay.
1: Yeah. And uh, custom apparel startups bears no responsibility <laughs> for any advice given by, yeah. by Seth, his partners, associates, or anybody who he may up to disclaimer. <laughs>
2: All right, everybody. uh, Thanks very much for listening. This has been uh, Mark Stevenson from Coldessie.
1: And Mark Vila from Coleman &
2: Company. You guys all have a good business.